Hello, everybody. Hope everyone's having a wonderful holiday of Sukkot. Uh, we're now going to record a class on uh, the Perasha of Vezot HaBeracha. It's interesting that many years we just uh, we skip this sort of Perasha. We skip it because it's the, it's not like the other Parshiot, but that's the basis of this class. I'm going to try to understand something amazing that we came up with. You know, it's often that we come up with something and it's and it's by accident, and then things sort of all come together, where you see like Hashem is designing this in order to answer the questions. Rabbi Abitan would always tell us, make sure that when you want to learn something, you ask Hashem for help. You always have to ask Hashem for help in your learning. So someone came to me this week and had a question based on a class that they heard on Shabbat in the city. And the question was this. They said, they asked me, why does the Ben Ishchai say there are only 15 Moadim? And I like, my, 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 what? <laughs> and basically, the Ben Ishchai commenting on a pasuk that we read in the Torah today, this, the, today was Shabbat, it's now Saturday night. Uh, we read a pasuk in, the, in this week's parasha, this week's parasha, or this because it's Cholamoid uh, Sukkot, we read the parasha. Uh, based on the, the golden calf. And there we have Vayomer, Hashem is saying to Moshe, Ani avir kol tuvi al panecha. Uh, so Hashem is going to, it's going to show all of his goodness, all of his goodness. And the Benishai comments on tuvi, tet vav bi, 15 within me. The 15 days of the Mo'adim that B'nai Israel spends with me. What are these 15 days? There's the seven days of Pesach, the one day of Shavuot, and the seven days of Sukkot. But the question he had, which is a great question, is, what do you mean seven days of Sukkot? What happened to Shemini Atzeret? Why isn't that eighth day here included? So I didn't understand where his question came from, and then I found that he had heard it from Rabbi Shlomo Farhi in a class. And luckily, Rabbi Shlomo Farhi then posted the class on Friday, and while I got stuck with Chantel driving back from the city on Rockaway Turnpike, it was literally a standstill for anybody who realizes, you know, you're coming back from the city. You get through the Van Wick. You get through the LIE. You get through the Van Wick. And, and you think you're passing Kennedy Airport and you, you, you got straight away to get home and all of a sudden, stop. 30-minute backup on Rockaway Turnpike. But it afforded us an opportunity and... Then I saw Rabbi Farhi's class post, and just amazing that he happened to talk about the same subject that the question was asked on. So, and then I still had the question, even after that class, about this 16th day and what's so special and how it relates to this perasha, Vezot Beracha. And all of that seemed to come together Friday night, and we discussed it this evening in Sivadash Alishi, so we're going to try to put it together for everybody now. So, <clears throat> so let's go back to what the Ben Ishchai says. And from there, we'll expand a little bit into what Rabbi Farhi says, but everyone's more than welcome to listen to Rabbi Farhi's full class. And then we're going to get into really trying to answer the question is, what happened to the 16th day? What happened to Parshat Vezot HaBeracha? And from there, we're going to answer a lot of questions. Uh, the comments tonight when we were discussing it in the synagogue was, wow, I never heard this. It's unbelievable. 
So hopefully you think it's unbelievable, and I'm sorry my introduction is so long. My wife, Chantal, yells at me that the introduction's too long. So going back. In the parasha today we read, Vayomer ani avir kol tuvi al panecha, vekarati veshem adonai lefanecha. He says, vechanati asher achen, verachamti et asher erachem. So Hashem is, is, is telling Moshe, he's, Moshe is, is, is asking Hashem for forgiveness with regard to the golden calf. And it seems that the Ben Yishai is expressing that this call to V, this call to V in some way, this tetva B, spending these 15 days within me. And we discussed already specifically with Sukkot, how going into the Sukkah is really like going into the Shekhinah, dwelling within Hashem. Hashem says, "Veshachanti betocham in betocham," and it's it's really I'm going to dwell within them. It's really us dwelling within Hashem when it comes to these holidays. So the the question that was that was brought up that brought us there was, uh, what is this idea of fifteen holidays? So the Benish Chai explains based on the pasuk, "Vayar ha'am ki Moshe laredet min The people saw that Moshe was delayed in coming down from the mountain. Boshesh, the rabbis comment, Bashesh. Moshe was late six hours, they say. Six hours was the entire time that we worshipped the golden calf. All of the disaster that the golden calf brought began and ended in six hours. We were there with Hashem at the chuppah. Moshe was coming down with the luchot. That would have been it unbelievable potential of that day and we mess it up in six hours of idolatry Rabbi Farhi brought two Pesukim he brought we bring up every holiday all of the other holidays because all of the holidays seem to be intrinsically related and in contrast that really seems to be the tikkun fe'ele elohecha Yisrael asher helucham eret Yisraelim. When the, the uh, Erev Rav make the golden calf and they turn to B'nai Yisrael and they say, B'nai Yisrael, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Ele Mo'adai is going to come to fix, to be metaken that. Rabbi Farhi quotes two other pesukim, Ele Eskera and Ele Tishkachena. These you're going to remember. These you're going to forget. So what's, what's the relationship between the six hours and the 15 days? We know we have a halakha that, for example, if I'm making soup and I'm making a big pot of meat soup and I spill a little milk, what happens? The milk will ruin the whole soup. But if the milk is less than 1 60th, then it's batel. We have a halakha that something is batel beshishim. It's nullified within 60. Comes the Ben and says that we have the six hours we sinned with the golden calf. And what happens? To make up for that, to nullify that, we have the 15 days of 24 hours a day. And if we multiply the 15 by 24, we see that it's exactly 60 times the six, the six hours. And therefore... If we spend the 15 days of the Mu'adim together with Hashem, and that's the whole idea of being together with Hashem, then what happens is we nullify those six hours of the golden calf. And Rabbi Fari added a beautiful thought. He said that 
the sukkah is like the chuppah, Pesach, like the celebratory meal, and Shavuot, we're up all night, it's like the wedding night. And in that way, we could be metakin. So again, you can listen to the whole class that Rabbi Fari posted yesterday uh, and, uh, and get more details. But now we have the question, what does that mean, 15 and not 16? What happened to Shemini Atzeret? What happened? So I saw a beautiful thought that was expressed by Rabbi Chaim Rosenblatt in the name of Rav Moshe Wolfson. And really, it's, it's something I, I thought was marvelous and something that teaches us. The Zohar Kadosh teaches in a number of places that there are 53 parshiot in the Torah. And it uses the word gan, gan, garden, the garden of the Torah, the gan. Gimel is three, nun is 50, thus 53 parshiot. But the problem is, that if we count the parshiot, the way we divide them these days, we see that there are in fact 54. So the question is, which perashah is the Zohar not counting? And why? So a number of our rabbis explain it, that this perashah, the Zot HaBerachah, the final perashah in the Torah, is the one that the Zohar is not counting. And the reason the Zohar is not counting it is because it's not read on a Shabbat. Rather, it's read on Simchat Torah. Now by us in Chutzlaad, Simchat Torah never falls out on a Shabbat. It's not possible. Now even though in Eretz Yisrael, where, where, uh, uh, where uh, we combine Shemini Atzeret and Simchat Torah as a single day, it can fall out on Shabbat. The crux is that it's not assigned a specific Shabbat. It's read on Simchat Torah. It's read on Simchat Torah, and it's not read alone. We have to keep that in mind too. So the question is, regarding this 54th perasha, is why is Zot HaBerecha not considered, considered one of the 53? And the answer is because it's not read on Shabbat, it's read on Simchat Torah, and therefore the Zohar didn't count it. We need to understand this, because it has to be a lot more to this than that. One of the things the rabbis teach us is that all of B'nai Israel, our souls are rooted in the Torah. We've mentioned another time, a number of times how the rabbis write there are 600,000 letters in the Torah, even though it's really not 600,000, the way of counting it. But more importantly, it's to say that all of us are rooted in the Torah. Now, the rabbis tell us that the early generations, the first generations, the great generations are rooted in the beginning of the Torah. And as we come forward, we come through history and we come till the end and the very end of history, the door of the Mashiach, the door, the door we say that we believe we are in, this door of Chivle Mashiach, this door is the final door and that's represented by the end of Torah. So for example, the word Bereshit, Reshit, first, represents Moshe Rabbeinu, represents the people of that first generation in the desert, that first generation, the door of knowledge, the generation of knowledge, the ones who heard the Torah directly from Hashem, the commandments first from Hashem, through Moshe Rabbeinu, who received the Torah, the ones who 
came out of Egypt, who lived in the desert, who lived within the Ananeha Kodesh, the holy clouds, who drank the water from the well of Miriam, who ate the holy man, that generation is considered Reshit. And the final generations relate to the final words, the final verses of the Torah. And we see that Rabbi Wolfson says, the fact that these Pesukim, these final eight Pesukim of this week, of this Perashav, this final Perashav, Zezota Beracha, we're going to call it this week's Perashav, discuss the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. And they hint to the fact that the souls of the final generation will be spiritually dead and far from that which Moshe Rabbeinu represented. It's interesting that along the same lines, the final words of the written Torah are what? Le'enei kol Yisrael. Before the eyes of all Israel. Where do we hear that phrase? The, the Chachamim teach, and you see Rashid there quoting Chazal, refers to what? Yisrael, the shattering of the first Luchot, the first tablets of the Aseret HaDibrot, which were shattered Yisrael, in front of the eyes of all of Israel. The rabbis further note that the possibility of Torah being forgotten is rooted in the shattering of those first tablets. And once again, this indicates that the souls of the final generation who are hinted to in these final words will suffer from forgetting of the Torah. Now, I really think that there's probably never been a generation so far removed in some ways from the Torah. On one hand, there's more people learning today than ever. But on the other hand, there's more Jews who have absolutely no idea of what Judaism is. I see my daughter, Mariah. She's involved in a program with NCSY. She's working with... With high school kids, kids that are in Manhattan, kids that are in Long Island, Jewish kids, and you would think that they would have some knowledge, some connection, but they have absolutely no idea what is Sukkah, what is Sukkot, what is a Lulav, zero, no idea whatsoever. And they're working with these kids to try to introduce them. But the fact that the rabbis are saying that this final generation is the ones who are going to completely forget the Torah. We see it now. We see these so many Jews who have absolutely zero connection to the Torah. Furthermore, we discussed in the past that many times the rabbis discuss these lost Jews and they're described as the lost Jews as Shebed Dan Jews. The Shebed Dan Jews of, of Kalal Yisrael. The tribe of Dan in the early history of B'nai Israel was, as we see, apparently a most sinful tribe. And this being the case, the transgressors of the Jewish people, the ones who are, so to say, outside the fold, are always considered conceptually to be spiritual members of Shevet Dan. Even though they're not biologically from that tribe, they're considered spiritually from the tribe of Shevet Dan. We know that when Amalek attacks B'nai Israel, we see they attack those who are lagging behind, those who are outside the cloud. Why would somebody be outside the cloud? They are the ones who are outside the Ananiah Kavod. They're outside the, the place that they should be. Why? Because they had sins. And who were they? Those from Shevedan, the Midrash Targumah, along with Targam, Targum Yonatan, explains specifically that this refers to the tribe of Dan. And they were kicked out of the Ananiah Kodesh. They were kicked out of the clouds on account of having an idol among them. Could you imagine? We're leaving Egypt. We're crossing through the sea. We see the miracles. And on the back of the people of one of them in Shevet Dan is a Pesel, is an idol. How could that be? 
How could that be? And later on, when Moshe refers in Devarim to a tribe whose heart is turned away from Hashem, the rabbis are saying he's referring to Shevet Dan. We go further. We see that Shevet Dan was the back. They were in the back of all the tribes. They picked up the back. Not only that, we see later on in uh, Sefer Shoftim that there's Pesel Micha, the tribe of Dan, is worshipping an idol made by a man named Micha from their tribe. Chapter 18 of Sefer Shoftim tells how while the tribe of Dan, while traveling through Eretz Yisrael, in search of additional areas in which they'd, they'd be able to settle, come across the idol and its priest, and they took it for themselves. So because of all of this, Shevet Dan is called the lowest of the tribes. Shevet Dan, it doesn't, like we said, include biological members, but also the spiritual members. So this idea of Shevet Dan, this idea of these people who are outside the cloud, who are beyond is those Jews who have forgotten the Torah, who disconnected from the Torah, those Jews who are represented by those final Pesukim in this week's Perashah and Pashat Vizot HaBerachah. And what's interesting, if we say this is the 54th Perashah, the 54th that's not counted within the 53, we look at the name Dan, Dalid Nun Sofit, 4 and 50. So this 54 beautifully connects us to and we're going to see how comes specifically to rescue and to change and to, and to bring out these spiritual remnants of the tribe of Dan, those who have completely forgot and have become disconnected. Rabbi Abitan would often talk about the differences between seven and eight. He would say seven is the number that represents nature. Seven is the days of the week, the days of creation. Eight is that which is beyond creation. He would bring up the story in the Gemara where the, the Romans are saying how wonderful the world is, how perfect nature is, how don't we think that everything that was created is perfection. And Rabbi Akiva explains that, you know, wheat is perfect, but we still need to take wheat and turn wheat into bread. And just like that, we have to take man and take it from the perfection of physical to a bigger, higher level. And that is through Brit Milah. And when is Brit Milah? On the eighth day, the day beyond nature. The day beyond nature. Seven represents the physical. Eight is the number beyond nature. We often quote that we say, when we count the Omer, Usfartem lachem mimachorat ha-shabbat, you should count for you from the day after the holiday. And we go and we say, Fifty days you should count. But anyone who knows the counting of the Omer knows that we count 49 days of the Omer. The 50th we don't count because the 50th is beyond us. So just like 7 represents nature, 49 represents nature. 50 and 8 represent that which is beyond nature. We also talk about the idea of the 49 levels of Tumah. B'nai Yisrael sink into that. If they had gone one more, they're beyond the physical realm. We talk about the 49 levels, the 50 levels of Binah, 50th level. It's 49 that we could achieve in this world. The 50th is only beyond this world. If we look at the Sefirot, we have 10 Sefirot. The lower seven Sefirot represent the seven below, below the stars, below the Mazalot.
to rise above, when we go to the eighth, the eighth is Bina, and Bina is also 50. So we see again and again this aspect of seven relating to the physical, eight relating to the supernatural, beyond the physical, 49 the physical, 50 relating to beyond. The Maharal of Prague explains that when we look at the physical world, we see seven facets. Seven facets, the world is created over seven days. Even Shabbat has some aspect of it as the creation of Minucha. And the Maharal says also that physical three-dimensional space expands in six directions. These being the six directions of the X, Y, and Z axis. We have, for example, above and below. We have forward and behind, left and right. Those are the six directions. And we have in the center, that's the seventh. We also see this in the, in the Magen David. It has the directions with the center. These are the seven which represent nature. And we say within the seven always, each is a microcosm of all the others. So within the seven, there's seven. So the seven times seven is 49. And again, 49 representing nature. Eight being beyond the seven. 50 being beyond the 49. Those representing the, uh, the beyond the, the, the uh, beyond nature. So there are two systems which underlie all reality. One is the within nature, 749. One is the 850 beyond nature. If we look at the area of an Ever Ivri, the, the whole idea of a Jewish slave, we read about an Ever Ivri in Parshat Mishpatim. And there we see that if someone's going to buy a Hebrew slave, six years he's going to work, and in the seventh year he goes out free. Free in the seventh year. So that's within nature. A person messes up, he gets stuck owing money, he has to sell himself in order to get that money to pay his debts. But after seven years, the sixth year he works, seventh he's gone. It's within nature, and he returns to his previous place in the world. But imagine, and during that time that he's a slave, his, his, his master can give him a Canaanite wife. Any children from that marriage are, are, remain with the master as, as well as the wife. And the man then goes back to his own life. But the Torah tells us what happens when the man says, Ahavti et Adonai, et Adonai, I love my master. Et ishti, my Canaanite wife, the et banai, and my Canaanite children. Lord Zechovshi, I won't go out free. So we have a whole ceremony where we take him to the door and we pierce his ear, and he becomes a slave, Leolam. Leolam forever. Forever. But what does forever mean? We see later on, Pashat Behad, that Everivri is not really forever. Forever means he goes out once the Yovel comes. Once the 50th year, seven times seven cycles of Shemitah, and then a 50th year is Yovel. So following the, that, in that 50th year, he goes. So we could see Ever Ivri in light of the 749 verses 850. From a Torah standpoint, a Jew becoming an Ever Ivri is considered a giant spiritual drop because we're supposed to be servants to Hashem. And that Evid, at the seventh year, he goes out. That's the natural way of it. That's the physical, normal way. 
But if he has to stay le'olam, if he's so mired in the negativity, if he's so mired in that, then he stays le'olam forever. But what's forever? Forever is the yovel. Because the power of 50, even someone who's spiritually dead, it can awaken him. It can give him a new life. It's beyond nature. It doesn't, it's not locked into within nature. So that realm entirely overrides the normal system of 749. And it will rescue that person despite the fact that if not for the Ovel, this individual was indeed destined to remain permanently in his spiritually decrepit state. So we tie this together with what we said. We have Shevet Dan Jews. We have these Jews of this final generation. The Jews related to these final words, to this when Moshe dies, to where everything is gone, to being forgetting the Torah, remembering the golden calf. And what happens? We're mired in a place that we can't get out of in a physical way. It's going to take more than a regular physical way. And this will then explain why we read Zot HaBeracha on Shemini Atzeret rather than on Shabbat. Shabbat is the seventh day of the week and it has the power of seven, the power of nature, which we're talking about. But Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day, Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day that follows the seven days of Sukkot, this is beyond the nature. This has the power of eight and is accordingly capable of even lifting those lowly Jews from the spiritual quicksand that they're in. And the truth is that not only does the power of the day on Shemini Atzeret work towards rectifying the tribe of Dan Jews who were rooted at the end of Ezot HaBerachah, but the manner of reading the Torah at this time plays a major role in the process. We said that we don't read Vezot HaBerachah on its own. You know, when we went, we read Torah, we read the Torah all during the holidays. We take out two Sefer Torahs. Some holidays we take out three Sefer Torahs. When we finish reading the first Sefer Torah, what do we do? The person says the Berachah, and then he says Kaddish. Finishes reading the second Torah, he says the Berachah, he says Kaddish. One holiday where we don't follow this rule is Simcha Torah. We read... The Torah, Vizot Haberacha, we end Le'enekol Israel. The Chatan Torah says the Bracha, and all of a sudden, before we give him a blessing, before we do a Kaddish, before we do anything, the Chatan Bereshit says the Bracha, Asher Bacharbanu, and we immediately begin Bereshit Bara Elokim. We go from Le'enekol Israel to Bereshit Bara. We shouldn't skip a beat from the end to a new beginning. But we could understand this in a much, much greater way. We could understand that we're going to say, this generation that's representative of those who are lost, those who are forgetful because of the sin of the calf, those who are gone, what is going to be? That generation is going to connect itself to what? To the first word of the Torah, to Bereshit, and connect itself to that generation, connect itself to Moshe, to Moshe's generation, the door Hamidbar, the door of knowledge, who were rooted in the very beginning of the Torah. There was never another generation who lived a more supernatural existence than that generation. They lived in the cocoon of the clouds of glory for 40 years. They were miraculously sustained by the man from heaven, by water from Miriam's well. 
And it follows that in going from Kol Yisrael straight into Bereshit, the idea is to connect the lowly souls of the end of the Torah, who are conceptually like the Eved Ivri, concerning whom we write, the Im Amar Yomar Ha'ever Ahavti at Adoni, if the servant will stay, I love my master, I don't want to go. We have to lift him with a supernatural spirituality of those Jews who are rooted in the word Bereshit at the start of the Torah. This is called the power of 850. This is the power of Shmini Atzeret. This is the power of beyond nature. Even the lowliest Jewish soul can achieve elevation and a rectification. That the solution for the Jew who's in the same spiritual prison as the Eved Ivri, as the Jewish slave, who says, we said, Adoni, will join Kol Yisrael to Bereshit. Kol Yisrael, the last two words with Bereshit. It's unbelievable when we're going to see that the verse, Ve'im Amar Yomar Ha'ever, Ahavti et Adoni, if the servant will say, I love my master. The gematria of those words is 1,504. The same gematria as the last two words of the perashah, Kol Yisrael, and the first word, Bereshit. It's telling us that in our generation, where we feel so lost, sometimes so disconnected, sometimes so depressed, sometimes so mired in where all this negativity is, so overwhelmed that we think we can't get out of it, that we should know that in our generation, we're beyond. We have the ability to go beyond. In this perasha, vezot ha we have the ability to connect with Bereshit, to take ourselves from the low and bring ourselves to the highest, to connect to Moshe Rabbeinu and that generation itself. I think maybe this is the idea where we say that the last generation, on the one hand, could be this low, low generation, and on the other hand is a Gilgul of that first generation who came out of Egypt. It's our ability to connect with that generation, to connect these words call Yisrael with Bereshit. And we have to remember also, it says in Tehillim, Leman Yedu Dor Acharon, in order for that final generation to know, Banim Yodu, children who were not yet born. That's referring in Tehillim to us. And if we take the gematria of those words, they equal 913, which is the word Bereshit. Children not yet born, in order for us to know, we have to connect to Bereshit. What an unbelievable opportunity Simchat Torah is. What an um- unbelievable opportunity and gift Shemini it is. Hashem says, stay with me one more day, just you and me together. The 15 days of the holiday, that's in nature to be metaken, the sin of the golden calf. The six hours to the, to, the, to the 15 days of 24 hours each. That's the way to be metaken. But this eighth day is for those who are so mired, so gone, so forsaken, that we can't get out in a natural way. Hashem is giving us an opportunity to connect in an unbelievable spiritual way. We should also understand the essence of Shemini Atzeret. 
has an ability to rectify even the most far gone Jews. And that lets us understand why on, on, on Simchat Torah, on Simchat Torah, who goes up to the Torah? Who goes up? Everybody goes up. Everybody, even young children, come under the talent and go up. Call Yisrael. No one is left out. No one is beyond. No one is outside the Shekhinah. Everyone is brought in. Everyone is connected. Everyone has an opportunity to come up. You know, we celebrate all during Sukhot Simchat Bet Shoeva. And in the Gemara, it talks about how the rabbis danced and threw fire and juggled and all these things. The rabbis did dancing and the people watched. Simchat Torah, who dances? Everyone dances with the Torah. During Hakafot, we take out all the Sifre Torah, even the ones who are Pasul. They're disqualified. The message is the same. On this holy day, everyone receives rectification. Even the seemingly Jews who are Pasul, even those who are, who are disconnected, who are outside, who are outside the cloud, who are behind. We should understand how beautiful this is. Just like Shevet Dan was outside the clouds, there are souls that are outside. That the holidays, the 15 days of the holidays alone cannot help. But the realm of beyond nature, of Shemini, of the 50th, of the 8th, they could help even those Jews who couldn't ascend during the 7 days of Sukkot. And so come this special day, every Jew even the ones conceptually associated with the tribe of Dan, need to know that this 54th perashah, Dalid Nun 4 and 50, Vizot HaBeracha, has within it a tikkun for them. And a tikkun for them is a tikkun for each of us. Because no matter how much we're connected, living in this generation makes us wonder, makes us wonder and we become somewhat disconnected so the opportunity we have, if we could fully appreciate this holiday, this perasha, vezot haberacha, and 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 Rabbi Rabbi Rosenblatt, he brought up something also beautiful. You know, normally we have a beracha. We don't like to say beracha out loud; it brings evil eye. We see the Zohar Kadosh tells us that when the son of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai went to some rabbis and they told him something, it seemed like they were cursing him. You're going to plant and you're not going to, you're not going to reap. And uh, they told him these things, and he was so upset when he got back to his father. And his father said, "No, they're really blessing you. They're saying you're going to have children. They're not going to die. You're going to have daughters-in-law, and you, they're not going to become widows." And and really, they were hiding the blessings within what sounded like curses. And the explanation is that when the angels hear a curse, they don't want to prosecute us. But when they hear a blessing, they wonder, should we really get it? There are those rabbis who say that within the 98 curses that Moshe expressed a few weeks ago in Pasha Kitavo, that really the 98 curses hide within them blessings. And Moshe did it so that they would be able to be fulfilled as blessings hidden within the words of curses. So why on Shemini Atzeret, why on Simchat Torah can we read Vezot HaBerachah, which is real blessings? And perhaps a reason could be that because this is a day beyond nature, beyond the realm of physical nature, beyond the realm of nature that Hashem created, 
We go up beyond. We go up to the eighth level. We go up to Binah. We often talk about on Friday night, we go the lower level of Mahut, rise up to the expansion of the soul to Binah. We go to the eighth level. We go to that beyond nature. We have an opportunity on Simchat Torah, connecting with the Torah, connecting from Le'ene Kol Yisrael to Bereshit, bringing Vezot HaBeracha and Bereshit together, to bring together and connect to a higher level, a level unheard of. Let us all take this opportunity to lift ourselves out of the mud, the spiritual mud, the emotional mud, the depression that we may be in. Lift ourselves up and when we read Bereshit, be blessed with a new. We say, Let the new year begin with its blessings. In some way the year ends on Hoshana Rabbah. And the new year in some way begins in Shemini Atziret. Bezrat Hashem, all of us should have a blessed year, a healthy year, a happy year, a peaceful year, a prosperous year. Amen, Ken Yiratzon. Bezrat Hashem, we're going to try to record a class on, uh, on Thursday on, uh, on Pasha Bereshit. And hope we can get that out. Excuse me, Rabot, Nimo Betovot.